this is Motorcycles and Misfits at the Recycle Garage. So we're doing something a little special tonight. Um, we're here with a little bit different crowd, not all the usuals here. And we're getting into a heavy topic that I want to explain that um, I think this is a really great forum that we have uh, because we're going to talk about what people never talk about. It's, I think everyone goes through this and experiences this but no one talks about it with each other and this is kind of a neat forum where we can talk about it because i know everyone who rides goes through this so i want to uh give it to john who is uh, producing this episode hello uh, i'm john and hi john hi guys hey buddy hey and um i thought that it might be a great time to discuss um, one of the things that we all we all struggle with when we're riding motorcycles, uh, and that is um, our own mortality, uh, our fear, uh, our mental blocks, uh, performance anxiety, things that that we all have to deal with in order to ride motorcycles successfully, um, and how that coincides with this. N- addiction we have to ride motorcycles and what keeps us doing this despite the fact that uh we are quite literally risking our lives every single time uh we get on a motorcycle you know whether or not it's going down to the the store for um a six pack of soda pop or uh you know going out onto a twisty mountain road and throwing a motorcycle into a turn at 120 miles an hour when the sign before the turn clearly says you should be going 35. Mm-hmm. You know, and with that in mind, uh, I assembled um, a crew of people that all kind of have experiences crashing, <laughs> all have experiences getting injured, all have experiences uh, choosing to ride some more uh, after that. Uh, and just to let everybody introduce themselves, we've got, of course, you know, Liza. Hey. And we brought Modi. She's our. Hello. <laughs> She's going to be our newest newest member of the motorcycle crash scene. Uh, <laughs> since she crashed a bike today. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got Doug that you know. Hi. And then we have three new people. Um, we have Josh. Howdy. We have uh, Jason. What up? And we have Lonnie. Hey, folks. So, um, as a little bit of a, of a get to know you... Um, uh, we've done everybody, but but you three, uh, Josh. Uh, how old are you? How long you been riding? Why did you choose to start riding? Why do you keep riding? Uh, yeah, I'm 33 years old. I bought my first motorcycle. You're 33. I, I am. I'll be 34. Jesus this time. Christ! You look every day of it. Believe <laughs> right. me, I feel it's it. It's not the I years; it's the mileage. It. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. I always motorcycles are cool when you're growing up. You're like, yeah, right. But I didn't really. I think my father had one. I had some vague memory of that. But yeah, I was 19 years old and. Um, and I had a little car, and I was like, fuck this car. I want a motorcycle. So I sold the car, and then I took out extra money in student loans and bought uh, a 1982 GS450. Stick it spirit. to the man. And, that's uh, the spirit, kids. Right? Use, use your college loan to buy your first motorcycle. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the best decision I ever made. It was awesome. Uh, and, but, uh, this was actually in, in Northeast Ohio, where it does get cold and wet. Um, a majority of the year, so it was not the most well-developed plant. Uh, oh, you know, those there's... cold, cold winter nights, I'm like, okay, I'll put an extra pair of long johns on and tie a bandana around my face. I really should order new gloves. 
<laughs> so nice. Uh, Jason, howdy. What are you doing? Uh, Forty-five years old. Uh, been riding since 1985. Uh, started on a Honda Helix. People might scoff Gross. at it. Gross. No, I started on scooters too. But I could do 80 miles an hour with two people on board. So it was pretty cool. Uh, rode that uh, throughout high school. And then uh, when uh, James Cornell and I uh, first became roommates, uh, he got me into the mo- motorcycles officially uh, with a 1962 Triumph basket case uh, <laughs> that I rebuilt in the uh, the living room of our apartment on a tarp. And as we were uh, getting those parts all finished and repainted, we baked it all in the oven. <laughs> uh, needless to say, we did not get our uh, deposit back on the apartment. Oh, fuck that. You got a sweet triumph, though. <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, what I need to tell everybody out there, if you ever have, if you, if you never, don't keep your first bike, uh, I do recommend you do keep it no matter what but if you can't get pictures of it because <laughs> I only had one photo of that bike and it was when it was in pieces on a cinder block and uh, yeah. I miss it that's a pretty common regret yeah okay, Lonnie um, 47 years old and my very first attempt at learning to ride a motorcycle I was probably 17 and I had on loan a dirt bike of dubious quality. It had <laughs> vice- all dirt bikes are of dubious quality. <laughs> it had a pair of uh, vice grips for a shifter assembly. It had, it had no clutch or clutch lever. Um, I did not know what a shift pattern was. The owner said it's uh, you know one down, four up. That meant absolutely nothing to me, and my uh, end results were somewhat less than optimal. <laughs> so what happened? It didn't go over very well for me uh, after several crashes. I returned the bike and lost interest. I started riding again in my early 20s when I started living with my future wife. Uh, the property had been used as a business to rebuild old Honda CB350s from the 70s. And the place literally had a mountain pile of motorcycles and parts racks of frames and i dug through the parts found an old cb360 found the forks somewhere else reassembled the whole thing threw a battery in it some fresh gas and i was off to the races and uh, eventually my father-in-law when i did get married gave me a very beautiful 72 triumph for a wedding gift yeah i've seen pictures of that the bike was nice mm-hmm. bike was nice cool um well Modi, have you done the how you started riding yet? Yeah, I think I did it on a previous okay. podcast. It's not important. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's important. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Well, um, let's let's start out with uh, with a little bit of um, why why you started riding in the first place. I mean, my my story. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was always into motorcycles and fast cars and stuff like that. And being a little kid, I'd see somebody on a motorcycle. And go, fuck yeah i want to do that and my parents being um sane people uh were not into that idea at all uh and i kind of poached a few rides here and there on friends mini bikes and and uh riding quads around on the ranch and riding like trail 110 at my my uh, dad's uncle's house that kind of thing sort of did that behind the scenes when nobody was looking 
That, sorry, I, we hear our engine going down the street, and it sounds, sounds like one awful. of ours. Which one was that? Is what sounds, I'm trying to figure out. Sounds like out. an inline four only running on one cylinder. <laughs> Just uh, you know, pull the shades down and, and lock the door for now. <laughs> it's the zombie apocalypse is upon us. Um, but you know, I, I was always kind of into that, and I had an uncle that that had Corvettes and such, and he used to take me out for fast rides when I was a little kid. So, you know that that kind of uh, speed and and uh, automotive kind of desire sparked at me at a at an early age so as soon as i could i went out and got a motorcycle you know as soon as, as soon as i could hide it from my parents you know or i wasn't living with my parents um so as 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 far as that goes i'm not sure what what the initial spark is you know for for wanting to to ride motorcycles to begin with because it's it's obviously dangerous you know you growing up you always hear how how much it's going to kill you and and oh my god everybody's got an uncle that that supposedly crashed a motorcycle and and never rode one again because he's smart and and you're going to die in a crash you'll put your eye out yeah you're gonna put your eye out what the hell's the matter with you so i'm wondering what do you think it is in us that causes us to start riding in the first place Right, is it a thrill-seeker gene? or Is it adrenaline? Because, you know, I don't know about that. Cool factor. Yeah, it's, well, just fun. It's a, like, you're like, I was just like, that looks like it's a lot of fun to do. I want to give it a go. And I did, and I was like, yep, I was right. That was awesome. Let's do it some more. And I've been at it ever since. And, uh, you know, every day I'm like, let's go. Let's go for a ride. Sure. Uh, Part of the reason, I think, is uh, it's not so much adrenaline junkie is if if you really got the adrenaline rush you've probably done something wrong sure (laughs) Sure. so it's more of the effect of not being surrounded in a cage you don't have that safety barrier that cushion Uh, you're more in tune with the environment the roads the conditions the feel you can feel every little bit of gravel on the road you're sensitive to the environment uh, the humidity uh, the temperature, all the things you're isolated from in a vehicle, it brings you more in tune with, and you just have a sense of you're more involved in the entire progress, and your motorcycle rides become more of a journey rather than a destination, which is what you would feel if you were getting into the family club wagon. Sure, and watching, and watching television for uh, 180 mm-hmm. miles until you get to the state park. You disembark <laughs> to go have a picnic or something uh lonnie uh sorry jason you you were gonna say something earlier i thought no okay (laughs) uh well you brought up something a little interesting lonnie because adrenaline to me seems to be something that comes afterwards you know like when you stop and think about it Mm -hmm. but at the time it's you're hyper focused it's uh, purely in- instinctual and if you are smart a lot of it has to do with practice experience and training but um we don't always have that when we're young and dumb and starting out <laughs> sure but i mean uh, trying to control this thing it, to me it seems more about like a hardcore focus you know everything else in your life has to take a back seat to the fact that that you're hurtling down the, the road at upwards of sure. 60 miles an hour for me it's the closest thing to flying everybody wishes you could fly and i think 
I've always equated that riding a motorcycle is the closest thing to that sensation. Do we know why that's a good? Do we know why Freedom. we all want to fly? For those of us who are not present, Liza is flapping her arms. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, does anyone have any idea why we all like this idea of flying? Sure, I think part of it is the image too, because everyone when I was a kid, everyone I knew had a bike or bike or Harley or whatever. They were cool. Yeah, but I that, didn't that know any enough. cool scuba divers or you know, it's like. <laughs> but that that I don't know if that's enough to. To make you want to slide your ass down the road at 100 miles an hour. Um, yeah, for me, it's definitely just something inside that is fulfilled. That's all I can say. Modi, wh- why why are you doing this stupid shit? Oh, it's like a sing- it's a singular pursuit that I can't really describe. I just know that every day I ride, no matter like how the ride goes, is never a bad day. Like, I feel profoundly all right after getting off my motorcycle. And then the next day, I want to get up and do it again. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't, I, I, maybe I thought for a while it was like an inner ear thing. Like, <laughs> liking the rocking feeling. I don't know. Anyway. So, so we don't really know why why we're, we we are at least all all drawn to this you know your mother probably isn't drawn to the idea of riding motorcycles Lonnie were your parents okay with this uh, my stepfather when I was a teenager he didn't really being a logical person have a reason to say no but he you know well you've got to have good leather boots you've got to have gloves you know I can't remember whether they even told me I had to have the helmet this was pre-helmet law yeah um, and you've got to be financially responsible. These are all logical, sensible things that I had no way to obtain. <laughs> and these are all logical, sensible things to prepare you for something that's kind of illogical and, and unsensical. That's, that's true. Um, it wasn't really anything I bothered to discuss with my parents. You know, when I was 22, I didn't call my mom up and ask her for permission or even mention it in passing. Well, well, of course, because you know what answer you're going to get. You're going to hear a lot of screeching, uh, if you're lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Or, I'm going to disown you. I'm not going to visit you in the hospital. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And and what if you get in an accident and your underwear is dirty? What are people going to think of your mother? See? (laughs) We all know what action we're going to... What did your mom say, Modi? She loves you. Oh, my parents both hate the idea. I think they try to pretend that I don't do it and we just don't talk about it. Um, My dad got me a helmet for Christmas, but I think that's as far... Like, they don't want to hear about it. They don't really... Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my mom ignored the idea for quite some time. I, I, I think she ignored it to the extent that she was hoping I would quit. Right. And just ignored it and kept hoping I would stop. And then when it became evident that I wasn't going to stop, I think she just threw her hands up. And continued to ignore it. Right. Yeah. She still probably hopes that I don't die. Yeah. Um, so, starting out, obviously, um, did any of you, before you got on a motorcycle, seriously contemplate the idea of what was you were getting into as far as your own personal safety did you ever did did anybody think you know i might die doing this yeah well i mean i think you have like you're like okay oh you could hurt yourself but it won't happen to me i'm I'm just gonna be careful or i'm just gonna go have some fun um but yeah i mean after you spend enough time you're like oh like maybe this could actually really truly happen and then yeah 
from the day that I started writing, I always knew before that it was always not if, but when. And so just knowing that, it kind of helped me just get over some fears. But that's that's kind of a defeatist attitude too, though, right? I mean, oh, of course it's going to happen. Of course I'm going to cry. That's not true. Well, I think it's more like you hope for the best and plan for the worst. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So, so now we, we've we've started writing, and yeah, Liza. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. Um, I was just going to say that I, I didn't think about it. Even as a kid, I just begged to hop on the backs of people's bikes. Oh, yeah. Now I will. I'm fearful of being on the back of any bike. It scares the bejesus out of me. Oh yeah, I had I had to get a ride back from uh, World Superbike back to my house so I could pick up a, a motorcycle because I had a, a truck filled with camping gear. And one of the guys camping next to us offered to give me a ride back so I could get my bike. And that was like the scariest <laughs> 30 miles of my life, being on the back of a motorcycle. I hadn't been on the back of a motorcycle since I was probably uh, 16 or something like that. I can remember um, one of my buddies in junior high uh, had a dad that used to race motorcycles, used to race motocross. And he used to like leave his junior high, seventh grade aged son at home by himself uh, for like weekends at a time when he would like be off riding his, his uh, motocrosser like in a desert race or something like that. And his son would be by himself. Great parenting going on. So we would, um, you know, of course we'd be drinking beers and uh, watching pornos and smoking cigarettes and doing things you're not supposed to do when you're 13. Uh, but he also had a, uh, I thought it was a 500cc Honda of some sort. I uh, guess that would make it a CB500. Um, but it doesn't make sense because what I remember this bike looking like, and, and now that I know about motorcycles, I have no idea what the fuck this thing was. But we used to steal it uh, and go downtown where we had a, uh, a cruise uh, on Main Street downtown. All the fucking high school kids and stuff would go hang out. And we'd be in junior high. We'd steal the bike uh, and go ride you know the cruise and then hang out like in the parking lot did you put it back when you were done yeah of course then you, you hope they didn't notice it. the yeah, uh, yeah. dented tank and the broken mirror <laughs> no we never crashed it never crashed it thank god but we would hang out in the parking lot of 7-eleven where all the motorcycle guys would hang out ah. yeah mm. and i can remember the um the dudes that were in the army uh would go by um like japanese market two strokes and bring them back with them so there was tons of like uh rgv 250s and uh uh 500s and stuff like that hanging out in the parking lot it was bitching stuff so anyway um so we've started riding motorcycles now uh what was the when was the first time you ever got scared on a motorcycle the first time I lost the front end. What happened? Uh, on a Sunday morning ride uh, off, off of Stinson Beach and going how, through a turn. How long had you been riding? Before my first crash? No, it bit before this incident. I had been riding probably for six years. That's a long time to not have any like scary, yeah. spooky moments. Yeah. Because I'm pretty oh, wait, sure. Wait, was this on scooters though? Because no. you can't crash on a scooter. Oh, I can crash on a scooter. No, the, the road doesn't hurt when you hit it when you're yeah, on a scooter. Yeah, that's I, oh, bullshit. I high-sided a CA-50 <laughs> coming out of my driveway late for work. 
I, I get some gravel and uh, hit a pothole. God, I and, wish there was a video of that. And threw myself over. Yeah, you do. My, my girlfriend was laughing her ass off. Oh, she was standing in the driveway at the time. She thought that was the funniest thing ever. Uh, and then I, I, oh, fuck, I probably crashed the 150 Elite after that, too. And I definitely crashed my first motorcycle like three times in the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, sorry. Sorry, Jason. Uh, so you're on Stinson Beach. We're on a sun- Sunday morning ride, and I was up towards the front of the pack, and I go through a turn, and I lose the front end on a, a DR350. And I go skidding down this, uh, the pavement to look up to see 30 guys behind me trying not to run me over. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pick myself up and hop back on the bike. But, you know, for weeks after that, uh, I did the Sunday, kept doing the Sunday ride, but I was never leaning into turns for a long time. Just, sure. Just sun- s- straight up and down. Sunday ride was a pretty quick pace, right? I mean, you had. Yeah. You know, that, that ride was led by a, a, a freaking Isle of Man racer, wasn't it? Yeah, Wade Boyd, yeah. his dad. <laughs> That's and, a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Just a leisurely, you know, 100 Le- Leisurely jaunt with a, a <laughs> fucking professional motorcycle racer. Um, so, what, what, uh, uh, what kept you on the bike after that? I just had to get back on the horse. Just, just decided you had to do it. Uh, I, I would suffer mentally if I didn't get out and get on that bike every Sunday and do the ride. E- uh, it was to the point where my wife would say, "Get out of the house. Go do your ride because you're a dick when you don't." <laughs> I've been told the same thing. I had a bike that was busted down for a while, and my girl at the time was like, "You need to fix that fucking bike. You're a total, total turd to be around. <laughs> fix that damn thing and go for a ride. I'm sick of your shit." And then, and then you fixed your bike, and, and I, she realized it wasn't the bike. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, but you're scared riding this thing, and it, that that fear, I think, just after time. Uh, it just it fades away. Your confidence level slowly comes back up. You lean it a little bit further. The tire holds, and you just push it a little bit further the next You've time. You've got to sort of redevelop a relationship with your bike. Yeah, mm-hmm. it takes a while. How yeah. long did it take you after you crashed on Highway Nine? Which uh, the first time? <laughs> <laughs> your sport first time. bike. I'm sport bike. Uh, a while. In fact, I'm still kind of dealing with that a little bit. Just being able to trust the bike, and I know it's got shitty suspension. It's 20 years old, um, and I can only say it's the bike so much. But you know, most of it's me. But I'm slowly going down a little more, a little more, going on with longer rides and stuff. But it's not. It's not so much as how fast I'm going. It's just I'm not getting down nearly as far as I used to before I crashed. Um, and it's. I have no problem with that. I'm totally comfortable with my with my riding style now and if anything it's just taught me to be more comfortable with with that and not try to push it so hard because i was a fairly new rider when i went down i'm still fairly a new rider in the big scheme of things um the time that i really scared the shit out of myself was a certain local clubs uh hooligan ride and i had been riding for about four months (laughs) and i was trying to keep up with the pack on on liza's bike the sr500 and went into oncoming traffic uh going to i don't know if you guys remember this i watched um, it happen (laughs) going towards the britannia arms and aptos and it was this big wide sweeping right turn and we weren't going super fast maybe 60 ish and i just could could not get the bike over i didn't know how (sighs) and so i went into oncoming traffic and finally the turn 
uh, ended, and I went back in, and I pulled over, and I waved everybody by me, and I almost. Of course, everybody's going. Thank I, God, I'm not a religious dude, but I almost got on my knees and started praying. You know, <laughs> like, um, yeah, it really. Uh, and then I had about four or five good writers come up to me and just say, "This is what you did, and this is it," and all of it's like greek to me at the time i didn't know how fucking conning steering and everything well also you're probably trying to comprehend what had just happened right i was still on the adrenaline you got a bunch of people yelling it was a a real learning thing but that was that was the time i I most scared the crap out of myself and so so even like actual crashing wasn't as scary no interesting I, i crashed with no other vehicles involved um if i if there would have been a vehicle coming in that incident i, I probably wouldn't be here Sure. Oh yeah, one of the scariest moments I've ever had on a bike. I walked away unscathed. But uh, it was we were riding with Snatch out, and when we were going down to slope somewhere. But, uh, I've heard of this. Story. Oh yeah, so <laughs> we were on was at twenty five or down there, whatever. So we're chasing each other on the jigsters, and it's fairly straight except there's a few little bends and one little one or two little hills, and so I'm right on his ass, and we take this little road, and it's got a little dip, and then up the hill, and then a curve to the left. So we go down oh, and I, in. I think I know what turn this is. And there's like a little like like an old like apple tree or something like that, throwing a little shade. So we go in. And I go chasing him right after, and he cuts the line really really hard. But we hadn't seen a car since you know since we got off at like and, King City or whatever. And the you know? visibility is pretty good on yeah. Highway 25. Yeah, because it's really yeah. pretty flat, except for this one little like one or two little rises, and that's pretty much it. Um, and so we go in, and then as soon as he pops his head up, like he can see there's like. A, you know, an F-150 list right there, brailing straight at us. And uh, <laughs> thank God the truck driver, like, is a card off. He's got both both wheels off the, the side of the berm, and Thatch dives hard. I'm like, I don't know what's going on up there, but he just moved really quick. Oh, I should probably follow him. So we both like, zip, zip, just barely clipped by this guy. He was pretty mad about it, understandably so. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was like uh, just a moment or two, one way or the other, we, we both could have smashed right in front of that truck. I mean, were you, were you in your own lane and stuff? Uh, I mean, it was like <laughs> we, were, you, we were making full use of the road. No, no, it's great. So you're pissing off the local farmers. That's fantastic. You know, these people vote and they have guns. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> so uh, I'll share my story. I've talked about it before. I've actually only been in one accident. That was coming up 30 years ago. It's 29 years and nine months ago. Um, but it was on the freeway, and I was not injured. I just lost a lot of skin because I wasn't wearing any gear. But after I had healed enough to get back on the bike... I really wanted to ride. I'd get on the bike and I would go ride, but I found anytime I got over 35 miles an hour, the bike would start to shake. Now, the bike crashed on the freeway from a high-speed wobble, which I don't know what caused it. What bike was this? This was a CB360T. So the bike over 35 started to shake, and it's like, what is going on? And I finally realized it was my arms and legs were shaking <laughs> and I like had to like pull over and go like what is going on like I was it was a psychological thing where my arms and legs would just start to shake and it was causing the bike to shake and I remember having that moment that clear moment where I had to decide do I stop or do I push through it and I remember thinking no this is 
important enough to me because my whole life I'd been obsessed. This was when all when I was 17. I had been so obsessed about riding. It was what I just longed to do. I belonged on a bike. And I remember thinking, I need to do this. And I would go get on a highway and just push myself faster and faster. And then I remember the day I got back on a freeway and rode. And I just slowly, the shakes would go away. But it took, you know, a few trips of pushing through, pushing through and wanting to do this, but my body was going against what I wanted to do. Um, that was that was yeah that was a real defining moment for me. Sure, um, which kind of brings up an interesting thing because fear is does a lot of things that are opposite of what we need to do when we ride motorcycles. You know, if you come into a turn and you shut down the throttle, the bike's going to run wide. If you, you know, you come in and hit the brakes, obviously you're going to low side or the bike's going to run wide. So it, the if you're coming into a turn and you're going too fast, the solution is to not shut the throttle and not hit the brakes and go try to turn harder, you know, which is the antithesis of what we all want to do. Mm-hmm. How... how how do you get over that after you've had a big scare? Uh, you just have to be like very cognizant of and like ride with ride with intention. Yeah. Be like, okay, I'm going to do this, and and I well, I know how it needs to be done. Understanding why you crashed in the first place, breaking it down in your head, trying to put science behind it, helped a lot too. Do you know why you crashed? Um, yeah, I was going too fast. <laughs> That's not why you don't crash because you're going yeah. too fast. Yeah, no, I think um, it was that, uh, you know, that lookout on Highway 9, Lower 9? Yeah. And if you're going south, there's that really sharp right-hand it's turn. It's the 15-mile-per-hour mm-hmm. turn. Right. Nine, yeah. I was going 50, and I think <laughs> I just slammed the bike all the way down. You think you just turned it out from under the yes. wheels? Yeah. That yeah, can happen. Lever it up on the... On uh, the I just mm-hmm. kept going. I did not stop the lean. I just kept going. Has anybody besides me ever done that, or besides me and you, ever just lever a bike right off the ground? Mm-mm. Yeah. I've done it numerous times. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> um, most of the time, it was the low speeds and intersections, and just, you know, taking a corner really, really sharp where the bike should touch down. The rear end comes off the ground and shoots out a few feet. Sure. And uh, if you're lucky, you might be able to slap a foot down, which is painful, or you don't, which is even more painful. <laughs> you know, that, that happened to me. That used to happen to me a lot when I was getting faster bikes, because I would have these old, you know, Jap bikes. And then um, I would get something faster with a little bit more ground clearance, and I would ride that thing around. Then I'd get back on my old bike. And the first thing I'd do was, like, come out of my driveway and lever it off the rear stand. <laughs> you know what I mean? You should just be thankful you didn't have a Triumph and a Japanese bike at the same time because the shifters and brakes are on the opposite sides. <laughs> you got to feather the rear brake in a corner and you downshift the bike. <laughs> yeah. So you got to pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. And it's the same thing you were touching on earlier about blowing a corner, getting in a bad accident. Not that I would ever know anything about that personally. Uh, but when you be approached, <laughs> I was behind Wait, you. We, I saw the Monty, everybody try to hold their last. Monica, can we just establish approximately how many accidents have you had and how many broken bones have you had as results? I do not know. Approximately. 
I have shattered both ankles, both wrists, broke my C1, re-broke my collarbone, broken several ribs, uh, broken hands, broken feet. Uh, I have never uh, had any road rash. I've never lost a drop of blood externally. <laughs> so you got that going for you. Multiple, multiple <laughs> concussions. I've had to replace my helmets, gloves, leathers. They've had to be cut off me. They've been worn through. Um, all the gear all so the I, I know I know a little bit about it and uh, yeah I've, I've never had a single bit of road rash ever What's that's the... his bragging point <laughs> he answers yeah. the nickname actually Lucky. that's not true I, I did lose the skin off my palm once <laughs> so even that even that happened to you yeah that, what's the that, longest that you spent in a hospital uh probably four or five days I would no, think that's not that's not too bad. It, it was I was incapacitated for over four months. Ooh! But they don't keep you in a hospital for that. You know, they right. send you home to suffer. They don't want to hear you crying. Well, Josh was <laughs> incapacitated over four months, and that was just a collarbone. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was kind of milking it. It was fun. Um, yeah, I never really. I got, I've been really lucky. I've crashed a whole lot, but I really haven't hurt myself too bad doing it. So, and I count myself very fortunate. You know. Yeah, I've I've actually never really been injured in a motorcycle crash. I mean, I've wrist hurt or whatever, ankle fucking hurt, knee knee twisted a little bit, but I've never actually been laid up. I could always like go to work, you know, that kind of thing. Which, you know, there's there's. Just because I've never really crashed doesn't mean I'm not scared as hell. You know, I, I go through a ton of um, of mental blocks when I'm riding, trying to convince myself to to keep the throttle open and trying to convince myself to, to throw it into a turn. And I, you know, I honestly don't know how the hell, um, how, how anybody ever gets over it, to be honest. If I ever crashed myself hard, I don't know how, how I would you react. You don't ever mm-hmm. get fully over it but part of me was actually driven like i had to had to the second my neck was in good enough shape to wear a helmet without too much risk of re-breaking it uh to get back on the bike you know with my wrists strapped down to my body you know and ride back out there to the crash site and go to that corner are you trying to prove something to yourself yes there wasn't anybody else there i didn't invite anybody along with me what were you trying to prove that you could do it? It wasn't just so much that I could do it; is that I could not get any mental rest until I had done it. It was the same thing I feel when somebody I know has passed away in a motorcycle accident. I have to go to that site, and I have to ride through that area and ride that ride. Uh, the same thing when I get into a crash. Uh, that's a severe crash in a corner, you know, something that was a rider error, my rider error. Well, it's always a rider error, isn't it? Not always. always. <laughs> Not always. You, you can't be responsible for coolant in the road. That's true. Or, that's you know, true. traffic that pulls out in front of you. Well, but, I'm sorry, uh, Jason. <laughs> yes. That, that was the, well, I want a beer hand. hand. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, you want a beer. <laughs> that's All refreshment. Right. Oh, sorry about <laughs> cracking beers. So, um, yeah, I was driven just to go back out there and do it. It's because you, you just run over it through your head all the time until it drives you crazy. Mm-hmm. 
it drives you mentally nuts and it bothers you all the time because you keep going through the scenario you know what should i have done and then you have to go do it you got to do it it's right not everything in life that you get that opportunity to just conquer it you know to like play it over in your head and do something about it a lot of times that's all you have is that like that same replaying like what exactly. could you have done differently well, and you have to apply those principles to your life in the future or you're going to wind up in the same spot Hey, um, John, I wanted to just kind of clarify, because I think what we're talking here, for a lot of people, this is a life decision to ride or not to ride. We're not just talking about just riding. We're talking about the style of riding that we do here in California, which is riding hard and riding aggressive. Well, at least at least the people in this room, though, and too, is, is riding at a, at a higher clip. I mean, there's not... I'm not, I'm not trying to, to blow smoke up my own ass, but, but there aren't very many people on the road that ride at the clip that the people in this room ride at. And there's, <laughs> there's certainly not very many people that would ride at the clip we ride at, crash and burn, and then get on and keep riding at a fast clip. So did does, did any of this slow you down? It slowed you down, didn't it, Jason? I've I've slowed down a lot over the last five years. I, I, I don't keep, I'm not in the A group anymore. Can you just not can you mentally just not do it or did you make the decision that that you didn't want to take the risk? I just made the decision that I just want to enjoy the ride, not necessarily enjoy the speed. So for me now, it's about just maybe clicking my visor open a little bit, get a little bit more air in the helmet, and just enjoy all the the scenes, the smells, and just a little bit more of the experience of just what's around me rather than just the rush of the speed. I think I've left a lot of that behind. I can relate to that because... I mean, one of the reasons, Lonnie, that I sold the the Ducati that you now have, one of the reasons was I was having too many oops because I was just just riding hard. I was trying to just get more and more aggressive. And I would kind of hit that point where I thought, I don't need to take these risks. And, you know, I bought an upright bike. Um, but even just yesterday, I was on a ride with Lucas and Nock, and we were on. Oh, uh, we came from Felt or from uh, Scotts Valley, the one that cuts through all the way down to Mount Herman, Soquel. Oh, the back way. Um, I forget. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, and we hit that, and they just took off, and I knew I was on a bike that I could. It's smaller than theirs, but it's not the bike that's holding back, but. I was, again, at that crossroads of, do I want to push it just to try and keep up with the guys? Or I'm going to just take it at my pace. And I, I think it's something like Lucas sat afterwards. He's like, yeah, man, why did you keep up? Why did you ride, ride so slow? Which I wasn't riding slow. Oh, but I, I said, because I'm older and wiser and don't need to prove anything, you know? Yeah. And I just rode. And my clip also, I realized... As I was watching them ahead of me, they were taking risks that I thought there might be a car coming around the corner. I'm going to take that turn slower because I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know. I don't want to put anyone else at risk just for the thrill. And I think that's something that maybe that comes with age. Maybe it comes with all these experiences 
that we've had and other people's experiences that all go into that that make you not want to take as many risks or just not being stupid <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know you, you can still yeah. take calculated risks yeah and yeah. not be stupid about you, it you you can go triple digits around turns and not leave your lane i was just it's taking not, longer know. to pass a car on these twisties sure. you know and not just just taking less risks but there's definitely been um a lot of other factors that have contributed to my experiences that are other people's experiences um, that have gotten where I am. But I, I guess it's an age thing, too. I'm definitely okay well, with slowing you, down. You bring up kind of an interesting side topic because there's also equipment. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the, the state of your bike can really affect you know, how you feel about riding it at that time. You know, if your shock is, is blowing out, you know, you can't just can't keep the pace that you think you can or that you know you can or if your tires are getting down there you know yeah it's squared off tires or whatever you went up commuting back and forth on the freeway for a couple of weeks you know then all of a sudden the bike doesn't feel good and and you might not even know why you know your shock is isn't happening and you're like what the fuck is going on you know and then you start scrambling for all these reasons for why you're not performing or why you can't keep up with the dude you normally smoke you know so, and that happened to me with Dylan, but that's okay. It's a different story. <laughs> um, so, Josh, as we're moving on, what what did you think uh, the second time you crashed and broke your collarbone, like two weeks after, <laughs> a week and a half after being allowed to ride on a motorcycle again? Yeah, that was a bummer, man. That was no fun. Um, what caused the crash? Uh, me. <laughs> so obviously, <laughs> and you swore to God you were going to slow you down, didn't. but you didn't slow down. No, yeah, no, because I, I'd put it around the city. You know, I'd back on the bike for about a week and put it around the city, and I was like, all right, I feel good, I feel confident. Like I'm going to go ride with the boys this weekend, and it'll be fun. We have a great time. We'd been out most of the day. We were about halfway through our ride, maybe, and um, on my favorite road, riding with the guys, having a lot of fun, and then I uh, just kind of. Don't have the line that I should have had through the turn. And um, was like, oh, I need to tighten this up. And then the back stepped, and then I caught. And then I went flying through the air, and I was like, god damn it. <laughs> Not again. Dr. Feely, my orthopedist, I was like, he's going to fucking kill me. He told me he doesn't want to see me again, and now i got to show back up. I'm like, oh, I broke that collarbone again, and I think the elbow along with it. Can you patch me up, doc? You should have uh, told him you fell down the stairs. Yeah, right. <laughs> but did that slow you down at all? But no, absolutely not. Like so, but even before I hit the ground, I'm like, you know what? All right, so I'm probably gonna break that collarbone again, and maybe something else too. And then I'm gonna be off the bike, and who knows what damage to the bike, and I gotta deal with that and this and that. I'm like, well, uh, I just, want, I just want that part to hurry up so I can start riding again. I know I'm gonna be bored for a while, so let's just let's get this can, over with. Lonnie can tell you there wasn't a whole lot of damage to your bike because he came and rescued you and took your bike for a ride. Good. I'm glad well, that bike. Well, Laid up. <laughs> you were laid up. On well, the he was side laying the on the road. side of the road. I took his uh, bike for a little spin to make sure it was in good mechanical condition. <laughs> <laughs> Under the guise of trying to find some aspirin and other components that would make dulled faculties. <laughs> so I would like to maybe point out. It sounds to me like there's something missing in the brain that tells you, you know, some sort of survival instinct that should have kicked in and told you not to take those risks. Kind of like today when Douglas and I watched Moti go down the street on a pocket bike. Oh, you crashed today. Too fast, going one way. And I thought, 
I so. said to Douglas, maybe we should stop her and put, have her put on more gear if she's going to ride that fast. <laughs> Too late. She took off full throttle. That's subjective, right? Like, down the street. Well, it's the fact that then you got squirrely twice it and recovered. Like it recover. Yeah. Over, and then kept and going. Then it, and then it just... That's when I was thinking she doesn't have that... that Part of her brain intact that survival instinct that says but what she did have down. intact was faith in the machine right and faith that she was <laughs> she was going to be able to pull through this which is what you well, need to do she had that faith all the way while she was rolling down the street <laughs> i rolled once i rolled once there's a lot of gravel and potholes down at the end of the street there was also no suspension whatsoever on uh, that, exactly on that which is i was thinking about as i was carrying it back your ass cheeks are the suspension yep i want to say i mean it is Not just a pocket of. bike but that thing is doing like 35 it's miles an really hour fast. it's I don't, crazy don't think it goes that well fast. if you if you told 25 someone, maybe I mean, but surprisingly fast a lot for faster given when size. you're on it. Yeah. Well, if you tell someone something goes fast, like isn't don't you want to see like how fast it goes? I mean, there's no speedometer on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, so just like, it, it. It felt okay until it wobbled, okay. and then I was down. And this um, guy who was behind me in a Jaguar was really impressed. It actually made him want to get one. So he might have sold one today. <laughs> And I want one, but not that one. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't get. I was thinking about taping that too, or uh, recording that on my phone. But I, I, of course, when you don't, something cool happens. Yep, every time. But they did get our chariot race, so there's, there's yeah. like, yeah, where yeah. I also ended up on my back. It happens a lot. So we know Modi's never gonna slow down on these things, which is good. Lonnie, I forgot to ask you: Did did you have you slowed down in your old age? I I actually uh, I actually have. (laughs) When I am left to my own devices, riding by myself, I usually. uh, Well, I wish I shouldn't say usually, but sometimes (laughs) uh, go at a slower pace. It depends on the road. I discovered actually after riding it for fifteen years, the Skyline Boulevard is quite beautiful. If you when you're not going 100 miles an hour, if you actually you like that obnoxious melting blurry green shit on the side of the road? I played a lot of road rash as a child. Some of it was live action. That's true. However, if I'm going up Old San Jose or Fallen Empire, there are no holes. Hard little 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 known rumor. It is all out. I will flog anything with two wheels to get it. The most speed I can get. Keep them away from the pocket bike. (laughs) Little little known, um, little known rumor about uh, the video game Road Rash, the classic motorcycle video game Road Rash. Is that it was was designed? It was designed and and developed here in uh, Silicon Valley in the Bay Area, and the roads uh, are apparently uh, modeled after Skyline Boulevard. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and Highway Nine. Yeah, and uh, it looks like desert. The guys, well, some of there's different stages though. There's four stages okay. and stuff like that. But uh, watch out for riders, that moose. The riders, skyline. <laughs> <laughs> the riders on the cover of the video game were actually local motorcycle riders. Uh, anyway, so moving on. So you you did you did slow down, and I'll and I'll tell you what um, made me kind of contemplate slowing down a lot. Is that um, Burger King? Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> the dollar menu. The, the new Whopper <laughs> really made me slow down. Uh, fuck. Well, it's not like you who causes uh, 
car accidents every time you see a Nordstrom rack. <laughs> it was one time. Lonnie, Lonnie saw a rack today. Did he? I, he almost, he I almost crashed. crashed on the way over here. I almost rear-ended a Porsche because I was looking at some boobies. <laughs> that's, that's I had it. a sandwich in my vest and it got all smashed against the best of my gas tank. That's oh, an acceptable that's reason to crash. I just want to say. Um, but, Hooray for boobies. Was that, um, you know, getting on a motorcycle, you, you contemplate the idea that, you know, that, hey, this might kill me today. I might not make it back. I might end up in a wheelchair, but that's cool because you know what? I'll just have a motorcycle with a sidecar on it, and I'll wheel my little wheelchair up on the sidecar, and then I'll climb over onto the seat, and and then I can keep riding motorcycles with my. Buddies. You ever remember Silver Bullet, the movie Silver Bullet? Yeah. No. His dad builds him a a, a trike after he gets you know paralyzed. From the yeah. Down. See, so we've always got that, but but you know what? No one ever plans out for, and what made me really reconsider the speed that I ride uh, is my friend Ted. Teddy. Uh, who fucking hit a tree and a speed limit sign uh, at like 70 to 90 miles an hour and put himself in a coma and now he has permanent brain damage. No one ever considers living like that. How, do you ever consider that? Do you ever sure. consider the ramifications of your I, I do you every day consider <laughs> the ramifications of your injuries. Jason? I've got my DNR signed. Are you are you are you cool with this idea though, or do you just? What does your DNR say? Does it say like, if I have this amount of function, wax me? If I, it means do not race. That, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but I mean, you know, you, you got to fill those things out. You got to say, well, if I'm I'm at the cognitive level of like an eighth grader you know fuck yeah let, let's watermelon go. is what yeah. we're talking cognitive. <laughs> eighth graders can still ride dirt bikes yeah yeah, eighth grade, yeah totally ride dirt bikes i'm trying um but what about what about people you know that have that are in this position how does that make you feel well we've got teddy we also have james cornell mm-hmm. uh he was involved in this crash at the Isle of Man, and ironically, he wasn't even racing. They were doing their practice. Oh, they were doing a practice lap at not at race speeds, and it just impacting you know a low speed cu- uh, coming to an immediate stop. He suffered traumatic brain injury, and you know as such, you know it's been we're coming up on seven. Gosh, no, what are we? Eight years now? Yeah. He hasn't gotten out of bed, you know. I still see him a few times a year, and it's uh, it's not. He's not the same guy, but you know, he still has to sit there and live. And it's a risk that you know we're all we're all taking every day. Are you, you have a daughter? Are you okay with the fact that she has a boyfriend that rides motorcycles? Oh, she's she, she now back? rides on the back of uh, Harley Davidson on a regular basis now. And you know, I would prefer anybody that gets in a bike is head to toe in leathers. But you know, a lot of people think that, you know, pair of jeans and boots is protection as long as you have a jacket and a helmet. But you know, that's okay if you're it's, on a it's, cruiser. No, it's not. <laughs> it's better better sweat than to bleed, as James always said. Absolutely, I, I live by that. Well, to be fair, he worked for a leather manufacturer. Yeah, that, so. that, that that's true. That was marketing. No, <laughs> <laughs> but no. If I'm going to go, you know, a mile down the road to uh, to pick up some milk and a six pack, I'm fully stitched up. I mean, I last last year I I went down 
uh, six-tenths of a mile from my front door because I had a new tire. Mm. And I went skidding down the road. And <laughs> I did that in December. the arrow stitch worked like a dream. Yep. Wally, did you? Uh, no, no. I was just wondering if anybody else here in this room has not crashed on a new tire. Oh, I've never crashed on a new tire. I've never had a new tire. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the tape off. <laughs> yes. So I wanted to share since a few of you here were, were here. When I first moved here and I had come from riding without gear and riding cruisers and riding street bikes you're and just a, you're whatever. You're in the south. It's hot and humid. You can't be wearing Well, in California before <clears throat> helmet laws when I was young. And when I first moved here, it was right after Crystal's death, who I know that some of you in the room were, were close with. I didn't know her, but it was the first time I knew of somebody who died on a motorcycle and I saw how everyone else was affected and I, w- I went on her memorial ride again not knowing her but being struck with like seeing like that's her mom who was there riding on the memorial ride and like wow that's really heavy to ride on your daughter's memorial ride and seeing all the friends and having people like Shar and, and stuff saying you better wear your gear all the time I don't care if you're just going down to the corner store you need to be fully geared it's like why are you telling what no one had ever told you know told me that I have to wear gear all the time but I saw how hurt everyone was how affected everyone was and it affected me I didn't even I mean but it was before I actually moved here but I had a bike out here and I don't know if you guys know how how it affected me and then other people that I shared that story with to uh, remind people it's not just us because I had been writing for myself my whole life and I never really considered my friends and my family and and how my choices affected them I never really made that connection um, so I don't know if how you guys dealt with it and how if that affected you and if was that something you had to push through and make that choice or something that your wives or friends put pressure on you to quit because was that the first was that the first person close to you and in that entrenched in your in the community that that you lost or had were there people before that well i had my uh, previous boss, he would did the uh, the Cabo 1000 race. Oh, every that year. was crazy! And these guys would go from San Diego to Cabo San Lucas in 24 hours or less. Yeah, that was gnarly. I remember hearing about that. Stuff. And knows uh, my old boss Randy Bradescu was on this ride. He'd done it for years on you know a Beamer on this or that, and then he got his first super bike, uh, a Honda Blackbird. And that bike just went way too fast, and just the the sun coming up in the morning and not seeing a turn in the road, you're just going 170 miles an hour and right off into the desert, and that was it. And that was the first time I ever knew anybody or was semi-close to somebody who passed. And then, uh, you know, decade plus later, and then uh, Crystal's passing. So did that? Did you question your writing because of that, or did people in your lives put pressure on you because of that? No, 
I, I don't. Th- I don't think I can ever stop writing. I yeah. it, it hurt enough that I stopped writing for a little while. I had to take a mental and physical break from the bike, but uh, I, I was I was never going to give it up. I just needed needed time. How about you, Lonnie? How did that change your life? It was a very very rough time. Crystal was. Uh, my wife's coworker. They worked in the same department, and we had become very good friends. We had Crystal was already a riding, but we had introduced her to her first sport bike, and uh, because of that ride, she bought her own sport bike. And uh, as we all know, that didn't end up very well for her or for anybody else. Um, part of the thing that was the hardest for me is because I had crashed like exactly three months of the day before that. I was still in recovery when Crystal got in her accident. And I could not help wondering why she didn't learn from my mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even felt guilty. I actually thought to myself, maybe if I had actually died, she would have taken this more seriously. Wow. Um, but... I never learned from my own mistakes either up until that point. So why should anybody else have? Yeah. And then, John, you brought up Teddy, who everyone here was affected by that. So, like, I didn't know Crystal Douglas. You didn't know Teddy that well. Moti, you didn't know him and I'm as couple well. Times, yeah. Were you guys affected by that? Because you saw how that affected It's definitely a dose of reality. If anything, I mean, I, I met the guy a couple times, and the next time I saw him, you know, we were helping him up the stairs when he got out of the hospital. So, I think for me, what what I got from that, I mean, I, I hope that I learned from everyone else's accidents too. But you see how the community, everyone rallied, and everyone was coming to hospital. But then I saw how his dad gave up his life to fly out here and his mom came out here and how they really they gave up their lives temporarily to help take care of them and god i would never expect anyone to do that for me i wouldn't want to be put that burden now i mean we should say that teddy is not dead he's mostly kind of recovered but permanently paralyzed arm but uh, funny enough, though, that the whole the Crystal's accident had much more of an effect on me than Teddy or James, who is probably, I would say, worst case scenario of the three. Would you guys agree? Do you want to share his? Well, his what, what I want to know is, is that that's not fair. That wasn't fair for Teddy to do that to his dad, you know? And it I was, don't know if it was a result fair. of poor choice, right? But it was, but that that didn't have to happen at ninety miles an hour. That could have happened at thirty-five. True, and the speed limit. That could have been uh, uh, somebody on their cell phone. That could have been a, a bus. You know, is that? I don't know if that's fair to put. I don't think that would be fair to put my mother in that position. Put my father in that position. Because I want to ride motorcycles. Then why do you do it? I don't know. 
I, I can I, tell I, you. That's why I'm asking this question. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think know. I, I don't know what. Okay. I don't know why I had to jump off hundred foot cliffs on snow skis when I was sixteen, but I did it. And I don't know why when I couldn't do it anymore, it almost ruined my life. I had such an emotional breakdown over the fact that I was not going to be a professional idiot <laughs> jumping off the a shit. You'll always be an idiot to us, John. That, that, that I literally went through like 10 years of drug addiction and depression. And that, because you couldn't jump off a mountain. Because I, cause I couldn't do that. Because I couldn't get that feeling anymore. I had to so, quit skiing. I took chase, up snowboarding. Is it chasing a high then? I don't know. I took too up planker. snowboarding because <laughs> yeah. because skiing made me too depressed. Aw. <laughs> so, you know... I can understand that, though. Like, I, I've i lost someone very dear to me to motorcycles. I've watched people very dear to me lose nearly everything. Uh, I've seen a million different things happen, but it's never once occurred to me to, to give it up, to stop, to... You know, to drastically adjust my life um, to avoid some potential thing that could happen mm-hmm. later on. Uh, something would. It's it's just wor- writing is just worth too much to me. Something would. Really and I know it's a little selfish sometimes to to, to behave the way I do. Um, but that's well, we only have ourselves though. We only have one one life, right? Absolutely. I mean, isn't isn't it isn't the the cliche we ride motorcycles because we want to live? <laughs> yes. That is, I, that's what everybody. Oh, you're right, you're gonna fucking die. It, I can anyway. tell you that. I don't want, I don't want to die. Want to live forever? Yeah, God, I I hope I don't die of old age, man. That's got to be the most boring, <laughs> embarrassing way to go. <laughs> Shitting in Please. your pants and mumbling. Seriously, man. Let me get. Wait, I do like that you. now. <laughs> I, I can tell you I that. You're old. Or anything, man. My parents have a living will signed by me in their possession because my mom told me. God, this was like 20 years ago. She goes, I don't want no vegetable for a kid to sign this. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I agree with that. I, Yeah, go ahead. Pull the plug. That's fine. She just assumed I would kill myself or turn myself into a vegetable at some point. So as long as we've had it, we put it out on the table, what to do if it happens. So I kind of feel better about that because for people who we have seen, like, I mean, James, Teddy, and even Stu's dad, where your family is put in the position of, do I pull the plug or not? You know, I feel fine knowing that my parents have already said, yeah, yeah, we're going to pull the plug. All right, I'm good with that. But You know, the, the funny thing is, there's not a lot of resentment with, like, Stu over his dad. There's not a lot of resentment that I have for my friends and family that have done stupid shit. Well, and this goes back to what Lonnie said earlier about how when somebody's in an accident, he goes to that place. And that's exactly what Stu did. He fixed up his dad's Harley and he took everyone on a ride to finish his dad's ride over that spot. I mean, that's pretty, pretty cool. But... They all, for me, they all do, you think about it, but I don't know, honestly, how much of it affects my riding choices. I think it's mostly my age, I think, and just getting wiser 
affects it more. I don't know. You can use that as an excuse if you want. Well, <laughs> you know, there but are... I, lo- but there was a 90-year-old guy. I remember when I first started writing, um, there was this 90-year-old dude in this shop that I was at. I was trying to get my bike worked on or something. And he came in, um, and the mechanic had this beautiful CB350. It was fucking gorgeous. Black, had red... Uh, striping on it and he had taken the emblems off the tank and the emblems off the side and painted the letters red with white backgrounds and had polished the the letters and outlines chrome and stuff like that it was one of the most beautiful bikes i've ever seen to this day it's one of the most beautiful bikes i've ever seen and the guy uh this 90 year old man was coming in to buy it and I he he came and picked it up and I was like, "Oh, you're buying this bike? Oh, this thing's great, man. Awesome." And he looked at me and he had this sneer on his face. Said, "I don't want this fucking piece of shit." And I was like, "Wow." And him and the mechanic loaded it up into his truck and he drove off. And I was like, "What the hell is going on with with that guy?" And he goes, "Yeah, his son uh, is making him buy that bike because he wrecked his 996 Super Hawk. <laughs> and I was like, are, are you kidding me? And he goes, yeah, uh, he wants to buy a CBR 1000, but his son won't let him. And I was like, wow. Uh, this guy is is my hero. He's well, my the, hero instantly. The Vampires Rally in San Luis Obispo, this last one, it was uh, Daniel was leading the pack. I was right behind him. Right behind me was this guy in his mid-70s on a Ninja 250. And every time we stopped, he was right there. And age has really has nothing to do with it. Let, let me ask this, because we're getting towards the end of this. Does anyone here know somebody who did quit riding? And, and for what reason did they quit? Yeah, yeah. We knew a guy uh, over a decade ago. His name was Ben that had a Honda Hurricane, a bike I, I have owned. Uh, not the exact same one, but the same model. And he he crashed it up. It, he walked away from it, but he walked away. Uh, motorcycling was broken for him, or vice versa. He could not bring himself to ride again. And he hadn't been at it very long, and he got his first bike, got a, you know, his second bike. And he was Joe Ricky Racer guy, and he hit a guardrail, and that was it. He was done. He just walked away. And a friend of mine picked up that bike dirt cheap and rode it into the ground. And that's how we, a lot of us have acquired our motorcycles. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of people who quit because they have a scare or quit because they have a family and a responsibility and can't? They're smarter than me. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's, it's not really any of our business what other people do, really. If their decisions are their own for their own reasons and you either respect that or you don't and that reflects poorly upon you as a person if you can't accept somebody uh same reason i wouldn't bag on somebody for their you know race or religion i mean whatever they people choose to do modi tell the story about um uh what's his name the the guy that took up riding motorcycles because he saw a crash what Amy, Amy's boyfriend? Oh, um, so yes, I have a friend uh, who has has a boyfriend, as friends do, and he witnessed a, a motorcycle crash that was resulted in a fatality, and because of that, decided to learn how to ride a motorcycle. 
I mean, he doesn't ride regularly, but he was like, this is something that I, like, he'd get such fear and anxiety surrounding, like, just hearing a motorcycle go up the street that he decided to learn to ride and did. Got his M1 and everything, and he knows it's not for him, but it was the same thing. Like, he had to conquer it, otherwise it would conquer him. So this was a coping mechanism for him? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's like, because he felt like his fear was just so irrational, you know? All the good stories in the world always end up with, and the head was still in the helmet. <laughs> So, do you guys think that there's something wrong with us or something right with us? Those who have overcome the obstacles and push on. Well, this lump in my head is telling me there's something wrong with me. Uh, as long as you're writing for your own reasons and not for somebody else or for something else or just for the image, I don't know. Well, you know, I'm of the opinion that if you start riding motorcycles for the image, you are quickly going to discover that that that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, motorcycles and, are kind of a pain in the balls. And it's not worth it. <laughs> you are the image not going to get laid riding motorcycles. The you image that comes to mind cool. is uh, picking gravel out of your ass cheeks. <laughs> yeah, and an empty bank account. Yeah, right? Uh, no, I mean, you, anybody can get a motorcycle. There's no such thing as a bad motorcycle. I, w- I wish everybody had three motorcycles and the, w- the world would be a better place. Um, but there is a distinct difference between the people who get one and enjoy them every once in a while and the people who really... Or, um, have no uh-huh. help but to be passionate about it. It's just in them, and they can't. It just it's coming out. So they're gonna ride their motorcycle every day, and they're gonna they're gonna have five more in the garage that need work, and they're gonna spend their lives surrounded by people who are very passionate about that same thing. That's true. That there are a lot of people that put like three hundred miles on their motorcycle. Every yeah, day. and that's fine. Uh, like we get cheap bikes that way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Know I'm always it. gonna be needing parts. We know a guy that does it. Buys the latest and greatest. Mods it up. Rides it a few hundred miles a year and then sells it to get the next year's model. If you have the money, if you get the money to do that, do then um, you know more power to you. Yeah, right? enjoy your dialable. Yeah, <laughs> is that what he's riding now? No, concourse. Still the con. Wow, really? I, I thought he was riding a 954 now. No, that that's was a completely last different week. guy. <laughs> this is a guy that puts a few hundred miles a year on each motorcycle, but he sells them after a week and a half. How do his fingernails look? That's how you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> An enthusiast. Let's put it this look way. He hands. can afford to do it. Good. I wish I could, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll adopt me. <laughs> he already has a son. So one more okay. ain't going to worry. <laughs> Wait. Blasio, you want to take us out, then? So, yeah. So, um, I wanted to thank not only everyone for listening, but I want to thank everyone who came um this is something that we just don't talk about but everyone goes through it and i don't know maybe it's something now that we've kind of opened the dialogue if i you know maybe i will be more likely to talk to somebody about it because you always think no one else is going through this or has gone through it because everyone seems just so stoic and brave and yahoo but it's nice to know that everyone has had those well, there's there's enough ego involved that <laughs> we don't want to talk about it. Right? So yeah, of course I'm gonna get on the bike again. I'll limp right over to my my motorcycle and get right on it, Lonnie. That said, <laughs> we'll wrap up and we'll go out to the garage, see what newbies are here that we can go harass and yell at them about not having enough gear, and maybe Moti can take another spin and overcome her fear of the. Pocket oh, bike. Uh, pocket bike, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, that bike needs a new chain because it only goes about five feet before the I chain know. falls out. 
Yeah, we'll figure it out. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Um, oh crap, Megan's not here Please to tell people how to contact shoot us. Shoot us an email <laughs> at recyclemotorcyclegarage at gmail.com. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, you probably went to our website to get the podcast. But if not, it's motorcyclesandmisfits.com. We also have a YouTube page, and I can't remember what the hell it is. So search for us on YouTube. Recycle, Recycle garage. garage. I'm sure you'll get it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So thanks um, again. Um, thank you, John, uh, also John, for hosting. And we have Lonnie. You can say hi. You can't just nod. You say goodbye. Nobody <laughs> can hear you nodding. <laughs> He's nodding is, really loud. This though. is radio, <laughs> babe, not television. <laughs> He's nodding so loud right now. Jason says, "Wear your gear." Okay. Uh, have fun out there, guys. It's uh, it's worth doing. Uh, signing off, Doug. Goodbye. Ta-da. Moti. Cool, cool. Oh, you suck at that. Cool, cool.